Good evening, Conan. It's time to do the show. Computer, what's the date? June 29th, 2017. Who's the president? Donald Trump. What? Still? Man, lost that bet. Look, just let me go back to sleep. Negative. Your instructions said to wake you up on this date. I quote, No matter how much I bitch and complain. <sighs> yeah, that's me, all right. But why? Why bother? You have a prepared response to that, too. Because this stuff matters. Because nobody does a show exactly like this one, and because these conversations mean something. Ugh. That also sounds like me. What a dick. Okay, let's slap on a fake smile and get down to it, I guess. Uh, who's the guest this week? Dwayne Dennison of the Jesus Lizard, Tomahawk, and the Dennison Kimball Trio. Oh, wow, really? It's like one of my favorite guitarists ever. That's awesome. Your guest co-host is Tony Ash. Oh, man, Tony? One of my favorite dudes ever. All right, so, uh, I guess, uh, Crank the theme song up and let's do this. Try to imagine all life as you know it stopping instantaneously and every molecule in your body exploding at the speed of light. Total photonic reversal. Photonic reversal. With your host, Broadcasting from a secret underground lair in Milwaukee, Wisconsin. A gigantic middle finger to everything that is rotten about music, rock and roll, and corporate power. The thing is, though, if you don't laugh, you're gonna go on a killing spree with sharp and nails. Confidence of a hero or a fool. I wasn't exactly certain which. For what, what an excellent professional segue that was. 150 people with a massive crowd, you know. You know, I kind of know the sound man for Rob Zombie. And presenting you the illusion of choice. See anything wrong with, you know, being into the stuff you're into? Yeah, it's a very good question. I like that because I'll be getting in the middle of the end. Could not be more professional. Get you pumped up. We have answers. It means something. That's like a science thing, right? Yes, yes, indeed. Welcome, one and all, to the one, the only, Protonic Reversal. Protonic Reversal. We welcome you to it. Uh, this is, is a, uh, a momentous time, a momentous occasion. Uh, joining me is none other than uh, Mr. Tony Ash. Tony Ash, ladies and gentlemen. Hello, everyone. Musician extraordinaire. Part-time secret friend. No, most-time secret friend. Full I was going yeah, full-time yeah, secret full-time friend, part-time lover is what I was going for, <laughs> but I just I dicked that out uh, up at the jump. You can tell I haven't done one of these in six months, right? Right, it's, right. Yeah, yeah. I'm a little, <laughs> okay. a little rusty. We, we forgive you. It's, yeah. Also, uh, Dead Halos, Trophy Wives, Brett Eugene's. You know, I was going to actually do a list 
I was going to have like the list ready to go of all, of all your bands. And because like, I know you, there what, was like, like, a, uh, like ever or. Yeah. Cause or there was that one Facebook thread that uh, oh God, it, yeah. it was all defined, but it no. occurred to me that that would be insane. And I do insane things all the time, but that will not be one of them that happens today. Anyway, welcome to the show, Tony. It's Thank good. you. It's good to be no, here. I know this, this is the first, it's a big deal for you. I know. Yeah. Yeah, it is. <laughs> I didn't expect to be on the air today, to be honest, yeah. so, but, but you know, it's whatever. a big deal it's and cool. a surprise as it works out. Yeah. Yeah. yeah it's cool. Uh, we are here in the in the brand new Protonic Reversal Studios in Milwaukee, Wisconsin. Wisconsin! Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, the crowd's going wild, of course. I uh, know. No, people, calm down, please. Uh, of course, today we are going to be speaking to the... Is it, is it going crazy? There's one, one Shut one up, dynamic. guys. Enough. It's enough. We get it. You're excited. Curb your enthusiasm, boys. Uh, we're going to be talking to one of my favorite guitar players of all time, uh, Mr. Dwayne Dennison of the Jesus Lizard, Tomahawk, uh, Dennison Kemble Trio. Uh, really just extraordinary musician and someone I'm very excited to, to, to speak with. And uh, kind of one of the people I was thinking about when I originally envisioned this show. Uh, oh, yeah. not, not to put too much pressure on, like hopefully <laughs> it works out, right? But <laughs> <laughs> no pressure. No, no pressure. No, no, no. Nah, it's fine. Uh, looking forward to speaking with uh, Mr. Dennison. Um, so let's, uh, we'll cut to a song here and uh, we'll be back talking to uh, the man himself. Proton Reversal.
That was Traveling Salesman by Denison Kemble Trio off of one of my favorite titled records for sure, which of course is entitled Neutrons. So of course I had to play that one. And joining us by phone right now is the one and only Mr. Dwayne Denison. Dwayne. Hey there. Hello, hello. Hello, hello. How is everyone? The studio audience is doing wonderfully, thank you. Uh, we're, 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 very, we're very pleased to have you. They can barely contain themselves, as you can hear. They're, they're doing the wave in one of the sections, so I think that's a good sign. Wonderful. Wonderful. Maybe the worm. I want to see the worm, too. <laughs> if we could do the worm with a crowd, that'd be pretty fantastic. I agree. Uh, Dwayne, thank you so much for joining us. It's, it's such a pleasure to be talking to you, man. Uh, oh, thanks for having me. So the song that uh, introduced you before you came in is a Denison Kemble Trio song. And I got to say, I was a big fan of those records, not just because one of them was named after my last name. Uh, but that's, that band actually introduced me to Ornette Col- Coleman through uh, your cover of Lonely Women. I'll be. Um, you know, it's funny. I... I've been talking to Jim Kimball lately. We became reacquainted through Facebook. And um, there seems to be a little, I don't want to say growing interest, but there's people out there over the years who have um, mentioned those DK3 and Denison Kimball albums again and again to me. Um, And I hadn't listened to them in years. And I pulled out, I listened to the first two, especially the first one just, you know, a few weeks ago. And I thought, oh, this holds up pretty well. I, I have to say, I wasn't horrified buy it um there's talk even of possibly a reissue really if we did that yeah um we'll see if it's going to be either on the original um uh, skin graft or possibly third man um and um you know if we were to do that who knows maybe jim and i would get back together and play a couple shows so but uh yeah well thanks thanks for um enjoying it yeah, it's. Uh, I mean, that I think that'd be wonderful because I, I actually listen to those records fairly regularly. I think they occupy a pretty uh, interesting headspace, and in that it's it's unique. It, it's jazzy without being exactly jazz, uh, and the way those compositions go together, it lends itself well to traveling. So they're, I found that they're good driving records. And wow, I, I mean, it's. I never got to see it live, so I certainly would be stoked about that uh, for sure. But yeah, I mean, and. Again, without putting too fine a point on it, like I discovered Ornette Coleman because of uh, because of you guys. So thank you for that as well. All right. Well, um, who knows? Maybe Ornette's enjoyed some increased royalties because of us. <laughs> <laughs> and then Third Man's done some great stuff too. I mean, those Melvin's uh, reissues of the Atlantic stuff are fantastic. Like they're really well put together. Uh, it's a you know, it, it's a nice package. So I'm sure it would, you know, would be done with love. You know, you're, you know, you'd be working with someone that gives a damn about the final product. I guess might be the best way to put that. Yeah, that's true. But um, we don't, we don't know. It's been brought up. But um, Mark Fisher from Skingrack, he's still around, and they're they're doing some reissues of their own as well. So um, we'll see. We'll see what happens. Well, put me down for one of each when that when that happens. <laughs> Great. But you're uh, you're never a you're never idle for long. You have some uh, some recordings either in progress or that you're working on. I saw that there's a. I mean, again, let's let's just let's just put it out there. I saw it on Facebook that uh, it looked like you and John were were hanging out, Mr. John Stainier, and uh, there was some stuff pending coming up. Some uh, some tomahawk, perhaps. Yeah. Um, well, at this point, I, I feel like I can talk about it. Um, we've 
started, I've been working on songs and demos for Tomahawk for what should be the next album um, for a while now. And um, with Mike being so busy, which he always is, but in particular, now he's got, you know, the Phantom Ops, I think, played yesterday. And, right, yeah. Uh, Dead, Dead Cross. Cross yep. is coming up. Um, and with our schedules kind of being what, what they are between everyone, I thought, well, why don't we just go ahead and start at least recording the instrumentals of, of these songs? Um, guitar, bass, drums, and a little bit of keyboards that I do as well. And so that's what kind of we've been doing so far. And um, I must say, I like what we've got so far. And uh, I've played a few things for Mike. He's heard some of it and he's excited about it. So at some point we'll all get back together and um, kind of hopefully take it to the next, um, the next level and get kind of get everything going and um, you know, take it from there. So I don't know. It could be a while. It could be a year, year and a half before it sees the light of day, but it's definitely in motion. And um, so, yeah, that's, that's kind of been some, one of the things I've been working on. Um, I've also been doing some two guitar things with a guitarist here in town named Paul Allen. Oh, wow. Okay. Who has played, Paul Allen has played with everyone from Adele to Tim McGraw and all points in between. And he's younger. He's much younger than me, so he pushes me. And he's probably the best all-around guitar player I've ever met. And we've been doing some two-guitar stuff, and that's kind of in motion as well. And, well, I, it's, I can't... Well, I, there might be something else with this other band that I used to be in, uh, some shows. But really, it's all up in the air, and I, and I, can't, I, I can't say more than that. There, I said it. <laughs> well, that that's that's a hell of a hook there, Dwayne. I got to say that's 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 a hell of a hook. Uh, but I, yeah. I I I understand that uh, you know the, the lid must stay on. Uh, ask me more. Oh, ask ask me, uh, Conan. Ask, ask me a little more. So would th- would this be uh, any chance some Jesus lizard stuff, perhaps? Perhaps. Perhaps really? not. We'll see. We can play that game of like twenty questions where it's like, is it bigger than a bread box? Is it you know? <laughs> yeah. Uh, I, 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 I gotta say, yeah. I saw I saw Jesus Lizard many times over the years, and I saw one of the uh, the, the get together the reunion shows, and I, I mean, I thought you guys couldn't have been more on point. It was a yeah, they were really good. I went to the Nashville one myself, and oh man, it was amazing. <laughs> I mean, it's kind of like it. it it's, Thank you. It seemed like you hadn't really like missed a beat. Like it, it was, it was just as vital, if, in a way, if not more, a little bit. Uh, it, well, thank you. Um, it, it, those, I, I, I'd like to think that those, this, most of those, most of that material has held up pretty well. Um, it was organically written and organically played, and you know, it was four guys in a practice room hashing out. You know, the riffs and the choruses and the beats and, you know, then going into the studio and knocking it out together. We'd go on tour and it would be the four of us. And then we went home and at least for the first few years when we started, we all lived in the same place. Oh, wow. So, <laughs> like the yeah, you couldn't have had, we couldn't have had more time together. We, we were on top of each other for years and somehow we kept it together and... Um, 
you know, as Rob Rizal, you couldn't hardly do anything without someone else knowing about it. So, um, <laughs> yes, I mean, I mean, literally, literally. So, um, if, if I was noodling around, or if Dave, say, David Sims was noodling on a riff, you know, on an acoustic guitar in his room, I'd walk past and I'd say, "Hey, what is that?" He'd say, "Oh, I don't know, something I came up with." And I and I'd go, "Okay," and then I'd think about it and I'd I'd come back, you know, the next day and say, "Hey, do that." Thing you were doing the other day, and I'd say, "Here, what does this sound like?" And I'd play a guitar part over it, and that's basically how we wrote songs. Um, so anyway, yeah, um, I'd like to think that in, in, in nowadays, so much has changed. Not just the way right, we, right. In, in my career, I've watched it change. It went from records and cassettes to CDs to. CDs went went away. Oh, well, I still listen to them. Um, to you know, digital files, the digital era, um, and then the way things are recorded, people just tend to record things, you know, inorganically, like one thing at a time, and where right. people aren't even they're not even in the same town when they make their albums and uh, remote collaboration. Album. Yeah, yeah, that's that's yeah, and um, to me, rock music it's a group experience. It's a group experience for the band and the audience. And um, I like to think, if nothing else, that when we did that tour in 2009, it was kind of like, all right, kids, once again, this is how you do it, you know? Well, well sure, yeah. That, yeah, I mean... And, and the fact that it was... I'm sorry, the fact that it was the same four guys, after all this time, we still we still play pretty good, and we're, we still get along, we still can keep it together and go out and do it. I'd like to think that there's a lesson in there. For, for younger people, right, like, right, you know, you don't have to just stay home with a with a digital workstation and and a drum machine and tweak and stuff. I mean, that's fine. I have nothing against that. I do that too. I do that in like writing demos. But ultimately, if you want to have fun and excitement and energy and have a have a good group communal experience, that's how you do it. Yeah, I mean, there's a difference between a demo and a show and a like a proper album in my mind. And I think you're right, like that group dynamic. It's the same reason why Led Zeppelin still sounds vital now, right? Those were just guys in a room, and it's the sound of the of the room and these awesome folks playing together. And that's that's going to be relatively timeless. Whereas, like you know, auto tune on the vocals or whatever, obviously Hardy sounds like anachronistic when it's like used in certain ways that you have like certain. Uh, audio fingerprints that are that are of certain times that, that date something immediately rather than keeping absolutely. it more Yeah, absolutely. The more um the more you rely on the technology that's available in your period, the the quicker your that material is going to sound dated. The quicker and less um I don't know. The, the more it's going to age in a way that isn't flattering. Right. And that's I mean, I think that's one of the reasons why all those Jesus records still totally hold up too, because it, it sounds well. It sounds like you guys, and you know, it's a band in a room. Just it, again has this uh, th- that weird telepathy almost that happens when you spend so much time together, whether it's just you know uh, playing shows or living together like the monkeys, as as you're describing. Uh, you know, you get to a certain degree of like, even if you're not getting along or like not even you know, the, yeah. be, being like the best of friends at the moment in time, you have that just, there's something that happens where there's, there, there's everyone's just locked into a thing and uh, there, nothing beats it. I agree. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, I agree. And as you get older, it's harder and harder to do that. 
I mean, you simply, you grow up, you get your own place. You want privacy. You want to have a life away from that. And, uh, you know, that's inevitable. You can't, you know, live like the monkeys. Actually, I always thought we were more like, if you remember the monkeys, they had friends who were in bands right, as right. well. They were usually like their friends bands, the kind of knuckleheads who couldn't quite get it. I thought we were more like them than the monkeys. <laughs> um, but, um, and as you get older, it's harder and harder to replicate that. Actually, what I think would be really funny to do, because we were living in a part of Chicago called Humboldt Park, and um, it's fairly rough, high crime, gangs, drug, um, Puerto Rican neighborhood. I would think it would be awesome. We could do a reality show where the four of us go back there and rent, <laughs> we go back, rent the four of us living in a three-bedroom apartment just like we did, and we have to try to write an album and record it and deal with taking public transport in right. this horrifying river and do it and ha- make a reality show out of it. It, 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 man, it almost be like, a, what is it, The Five Obstructions or uh, was it Five or Seven? I can't remember. That, that movie where like, he, they, they had like, different obstacles to overcome to like, make, a, make a short film. You familiar what I'm talking about? I don't, but no, I don't. Okay, it's well. <laughs> believe me, it's fantastic. No, but it, it's the same deal that like the overcoming, like having these challenges, kind of uh, imbues its way into the art, and in that same way, and of course, in the era of reality television, people just like seeing others in in messed up situations too. So that would, <laughs> I'd watch. Yeah, no, I'll I'm produce not, it. Yeah, sure. <laughs> I'm, I'm, yeah, I'm not. I'm not really. I'm obviously, I'm not serious about it. Right, but I, right. I, 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 I think especially reality shows where they manufacture the crisis points and they create, um, you know, these problems for people. But I, I still think just as an experiment, it would be um, ridiculous, just hilarious, awesome, perhaps, to do it. Oh, man, uh, totally. Though I don't think, I don't know how easily it would be accomplished. <laughs> That'd be like, uh, wow, what, what would the name for that be? That'd be like a... <laughs> Jesus lizard um, under four, duress? I don't know. <laughs> you could just call it home. How about four drunk dudes? <laughs> or four Yeah, whatever. Four, four, anyway. four drunk dudes and a handgun. Uh I don't know. Uh yeah. we're, we're gonna work on that title too. Uh so I, I it's interesting then because I felt that with uh the I guess it was the the most recent Tomahawk one, there was a song that to me sounded very with, with Jesus Lizardy. And I say that knowing that you you guys did a lot of different things. Uh, you didn't do just any yeah. one thing. But there's one that I thought right. to myself, gosh, like that basically could have been almost a Jesus Lizard song and nobody would have like bat, bat an eyelash at it. And so I wondered, was that a deliberate thing? Uh, was that something where was that maybe the Naskin beginnings to like writing new material perhaps? Or was that just how that turned um, out? No, but do you, do you remember what song that was? Do you remember the title? I don't. I and I usually have my my notes in front of me, but with the new studio, I don't have anything in front of me at all. So yeah, hooray for prep work. Um, sorry. Well, I, I honestly, um, I don't think it was a conscious attempt um, to write a Jesus Lizard sounding song. I think that just the way I think and the way I write and what I like and what I don't like just naturally kind of goes toward this zone where it's never going to be too far away from that. Right, right. Um, you know what I mean? If you look, if you... Tomahawk, obviously, is a bit more diverse than the Jesus Lizard, 
But there are definitely, all from the very beginning, there's songs that could have very easily been Jesus' songs as well, the riffs, the beats, um, etc. So I don't know. I don't think it was, it probably wasn't conscious. Um, but, you know, there's, there, I have to admit, there has been times, especially maybe even after we did that reunion tour, where there was maybe a glimmer of an idea of us doing an album. Right. The Jesus did that is. And I started writing material just to have my dreams dashed to the ground. Um, <laughs> so um, there's always going to be, you know, I'm one of those kind of people that I tend to write in spurts, but I write regardless, not always thinking of who it's for. So there's always, I like to think I've always got some ideas in my back pocket that I can kind of, pull out as needed and modify or customize for whatever the situation is. So uh, that's probably what that is. But, you know, um, it's funny. Uh, a while back on Facebook, someone pulled up some live footage of a band that I was in in Texas in the 80s called Cargo Cult. And Cargo Cult featured... Um, Randy Biscuit Turner, who a legendary singer from the Big, Big Boys, Boys yeah. you know, one of the great, you know, original American punk rock bands, and um, the late Biscuit. And um, what was funny about the footage is how little my guitar playing has changed since then. I mean, this was from literally <laughs> right, thir- right. From 30 years ago, and it was kind of a bright, slightly abrasive sound, slight bit of chorus, you know, playing, you know, sort of dissonant things, but not that removed from the rock thing. And I thought that's no matter what kind of guitar amp and effect I use, that is kind of what I always sound like. So, so there you go. Um, you know, I play other stuff too when I'm practicing around the house. When I stay home, I'll I'll do like jazz stuff where I play along with these sort of jazz instructional things or country and rockabilly and other things. Um, but I feel like when I play like that original style of rock. I feel like I, that's me. I own that. Sure. You know, that's that's my thing. And ultimately, that's what I always come back to. I mean, I mean, to me, it's almost as much of a sonic fingerprint as like Malcolm Young or Greg Sage or any of those other like unique guitarists that just have like like you just you when you hear it, you know, you're like, hey, I know what the, I know who that is like immediately. And that's I don't think that's 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 great. I think that's a that's Absolutely. a wonderful thing. Yeah. I mean, that's. Gosh, that's something to strive for. You know, everyone wants to find their voice. And uh... well, yeah, it's funny. I think so too. I think basically, if, if you go into music, especially if you're a guitar player now, and I see it every day in Nashville, um, basically you can take one of, to me, one of two paths. Either you become like a great all-around technician who can sound like anyone right. at a moment's notice, and you get gigs that way. Or you try to find your own voice and try to be unique and original and sort of um, put your influences together to make something new. And I, I, that's what I tried to do. And so you can hear bits and pieces of other people floating around in the stew all the time. Um, but, uh, yeah. So, yeah, it's nice, you know, the fact that people think it's recognizable. I can live with that. Yeah, there's worse things in life, right? I mean, (laughs) it's like being a great pitcher versus being a utility infielder or something. You know, it's it's a very very specific thing. And so that's and you touch on an important thing uh, because you've been in Nashville for for a while now, right? I mean, this is uh, Um, gosh, when did you move there? I moved here 
the Jesus and him broke up, I think, on our 10 years to the day from when we started, and that was like July 1999. Um, I was already living in Nashville, and I was already playing on the road with Hank Williams III. That's right. Yeah, I forgot about that. Yeah. So I've been here 18 years. That's a good chunk of time. And that's it's interesting because it's such a music town in so many ways, and it's such a just music industry town <laughs> as well. Yeah. <laughs> and I... Yeah. Those are two very important distinctions, I feel, because uh, as as you mentioned, you know, there, there's folks that you know just want like almost like soundalikes, right? And that's exactly what they want. So what? That's so what? Exactly it, what they want. So, but have you found well, a lot of like original talent and players there that uh, you know feel kind of like a, have you have that unique voice? I'm sorry. What was what were you? What's the question? Have you found a lot of any uh, you know unique and interesting players that sort of like have a ha- have their own voice there? Uh, do you find that that's like kind of oh, like a wild sure. anomaly? Oh sure. Um, like the the guy I mentioned earlier, um, Paul Allen. Paul T F O Allen is a young guy and probably the best all around guitar player I know, maybe have ever met. Um, he's one. Back when I first started, uh, there was an older fellow, a little bit older than me, uh, Red Volkert, who was a country and jazz and rock guitarist who had played with everyone from Merle Haggard to whoever. Um, He played a little bit also with Hank Free when I was playing, and I learned a few things. I actually had a lesson with him. He's still around. He's down in Austin, Texas now. Um, There's guys here and go. There's a guy named Timo who's a blues player here who kind of tears everyone's head off um, and who goes and sits in with famous people. So there's guys who come and go. Um, I don't, when I first moved here and I was playing with Hank three and playing with different people, uh, legendary shag shakers, Bobby bear jr. Stuff that was a a little bit different than what I typically did. I kind of was paying more attention to the roots, rockabilly country, alternative country guys than I had before. And since then, I don't. Um, I've kind of just gotten back to just kind of doing my own stuff and not really being so much like trying to be a hired guy. And so I'm not that up on who's out there right now. Right. Um, but those guys like Red Volker, Paul Allen, uh, Timo, something or Simo, something like that. <laughs> I don't even know. So let's um, so let's talk about Paul Allen. This, this is the fellow you're playing two guitars with, and and for most of the stuff that I've heard from you, it's all, it's always been like a one guitar thing. Like it's uh, yeah. Uh, is this have you played in bands that have two guitars before? Like what do you find that's different or uh, you know um, challenging? I have, I have, but um, I don't. What I don't typically like it unless well. Because typically, in when you've got two guitars, it's the, the old one guy's rhythm and the other guy's lead. Right. And one guy one guy plays bar chords and the other guy plays blues licks or whatever. And I sort of I, I like that. I don't mind two guitar things. I like hearing them spend some time and work on the arrangements, so it's not such a um, there's not such a divide between the two where you've got parts that sort of overlap each other and kind of. Um, you know, kind of weave between the two, and maybe one guy is more sonic and using effects, and the other guy is more maybe experimental and sort of handheld gadgets, and then maybe change the approach, you know, um, in different pieces. And that's kind of what we do, Paul and I, um, 
We've been calling it a hand taxi. We don't have anything out yet. Um, it's funny. I've, I've had other projects as well that were instrumental. For instance, the Ensemble yeah, that came right. out on Ipecac mm-hmm. with Alexander Haka uh, from, from Neubauten and Brian Kotzer. Yeah, cool, 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 weird record. Like, de- definitely, like, uh, unique. Like, unique sound to that. Yeah, it's just, it's hard for me. It, those things are a hard sell. And um, it's kind of been frustrating for me because I've worked really hard on these instrumental things that I think are, are good and other maybe people think are good, but they just seem to uh, die a slow death, um, just get ignored. Um, as far as like, by you know, as far as media attention or this and that, and I don't know if it's because I'm not a, a fresh young face anymore, or was I ever? Um, or <laughs> you what can, it is. You can it, pass. You're a handsome man. Don't you can. It's okay. <laughs> oh, you're very kind. You are too. You kind of look like um, one of Al Gore's kids. Anyway. <laughs> um. um so yeah, I. I I go through periods where I work on other things, but there's a part of me that I don't, at this point, I really don't have any great expectations for them. Um, I, it's almost as if, if, with me, if it's Tomahawk or the Jesus Lizard, people are immediately interested, and there's right. a pretty, pretty sizable community out there that wants to hear it, and will go to the shows and buy the albums. And when I do other things, it's been frustrating. It seems to get ignored. Um I guess that's just kind of a sign of the times. Yeah, I mean, when I, I was in the music, well, I was just gonna yeah. say that like there's so much of everything now that I think it's just harder. I mean, it's harder for anything to to kind of break through uh, because it's just yeah. there. It's it's overload of good, bad, and mediocre. There's just more of everything, constant exposure, and I think it, it's overwhelming for people, even for people that are yeah. uh, that seek out new things. Yeah, it's it's easy to get stuff, which is good. On the other hand, there's so much of it that you have to weed through so much just to find out what is what's out there. We, this generation, we are the most over-informed, over-entertained generation that will ever be or has ever been. <laughs> right. um, you know, so it's kind of like, oh well, just keep going and whatever do things that pay the bills, and then do the artistic stuff on the side. Yeah, I mean, you can. You know, if you obsess too much on it, that way lies madness, I think, ultimately. I yeah. Because there's no way you I can don't. control it, right? So. Right. So I don't worry about it that much, really. Well, and it's interesting that even just Jesus Lizard to Tomahawk, like, the, the difference between the the bands is kind of interesting, if nothing else, just because of, you know, Mike Patton and David Yao are very different types of singers. And, you know, <laughs> and I say that as a fan of both, but it's interesting to see how those compositions uh, can in Tomahawk can kind of go a different direction or do different things that uh, you wouldn't yeah. necessarily expect. And I think that, I mean, that's got to be a thrill uh, after, you know, so long kind of doing a very awesome, cool and, you know, consistent kind of thing that, that varied around within that, uh, that, that the, those the abilities of the players and the rule set and the, the dynamic that you had. But I mean, it, it kind of seemed like it was sort of like freeing almost in a way, if that makes sense. What was the word? Freeing, like more free. Yes. Emancipating. Emancipating. Um, there we go. Perfect. Yeah. Well, as far as, on the one hand, there's there's some similarities in the groups in that, you know, I've got great bass and drum, yep. you know, rhythm sections to play with. Absolutely. So, and, you know, certainly anything I come up with, they're going to, you know, 
play the play the shit out of it. So that's so I, I know there's nothing you know I have to worry about there. Um, <clears throat> the difference, you know, Mike and and David Yao with Patton, it was nice. Just someone who, if I wanted to, I could place. I could write something where the chord changes lent themselves to perhaps a more melodic approach. Sure, yeah, yeah. Um, there was a number of songs that almost, where it would be like, a, almost you could have a pop feel or a neoclassical feel or a jazzy or even Latin feel. And um, he can he can do those things. And I'm not dissing David Yao, I mean... He does. He has a his style, and it's great. And other people try to. I've heard other people try to do David Yao and fail miserably. It's like, never the same. Yeah, yeah. it's never. No. Yeah, no. and it's almost a bummer. Because like, oh, I see what you're doing, and like you're you're getting like one piece of like twenty out of it, exactly. maybe. If yeah. That. Yeah. So it's one of those things. It's funny. Um, people can kind of now laugh it off. It's like, okay, you try it. You try to right. do that, and. And and let alone and then the live stuff too. You try it while you're hanging up upside down <laughs> from the rafters, and you're what with a with a bruised rib, and uh you know anyway. I mean, I saw I saw him oh, yeah. finish a song from the T-shirt box at bottom of the hill once with you guys in San Francisco, <laughs> and he, and you know what? He freaking nailed it. He still nailed yeah. every piece of the song. And I was like, wow, that's, yeah. and for me, knowing that, like, I would, I would, you know, I don't try to do his thing or anything, but I was like, that's like, that's the goal right there is to like, just be that comfortable in yourself that you can just, it doesn't matter, literally doesn't matter what the situation is that you can, yeah, you can, you can put on the show and you can do the thing. I mean, that's, that's fantastic. And again, yeah, I, I know what you mean too. And there's like, you know, just like there's people that will ape your style and like they'll do like one thing maybe out of like the many things you do. And then it's like, wow, why did you just, why, like, that's just, I don't see how you could be happy doing that I, I, personally, but people do it. Happy, uh, happy doing what? Just aping someone else and like, I don't know, not really even oh. nailing it. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> not to be a dick, but I am. So, you know, there's well, that. Yeah, but, yeah. Well, it's, it's that point, it's comedy. You know, it's like you're doing an impersonation or something. Yeah, it's no different but, from like doing like an Aerosmith cover band or something. I mean, like, yeah, <laughs> come on. I know. Well, um, yeah. So for me, um, it's 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 just looking at the albums I've the bands I've been in, albums I've put out, whatever. I've always somehow managed to hook up with these vocalists, and that's what I think made it interesting to people, whether it was, you know, Biscuit in Cargo Cult and David Yao, even Hank Three. I was yeah. playing with him when he first started for about a year and a half. And um that was exciting. Um and then Mike Patton. So there's always these sort of unusual, colorful, interesting kind of guys. Unique um, voices, very unique players in their own in their own right. Yeah. So I've always you know, a lot of the guitar players that I enjoy over the years, well, that's kind of what they do as well, whether it was Scotty Moore playing with Elvis or Robert Fripp backing up everyone from King Crimson to Bowie. Yep. Um, you know, um, Grinderman. He's Walker. on a Grinderman song, for fuck's sake. I mean, <laughs> that's. It's, I was on a live one, though. Isn't it just a live? Yeah, I, I think I think so, but it still was. I was like, "Holy moly, that's amazing!" Because it it fit. He, he, like it was still him, but he chameleoned into the music in a very, I don't know, like in a way that it just it made me excited that it happened as much as it yeah. was. Uh, that that you know it was a great composition as well. 
Yeah. Well, there was a time in the eighties when he was playing on everyone from Blondie to, to talking heads to Bowie, basically anybody that came through New York, he was going to light it up. But that, um, the Bowie scary monsters album is funny. I was just thinking about this the other day. Like that's one of my favorite, like rock guitar albums. Oh, it's so good. Yeah. Sharp, dissonant, aggressive, noisy, yet really at a high level of, of ability, just fucking brilliant. Um, so yeah, um, what were we talking about? Sorry. Yeah, yeah, so, yeah, yeah. <laughs> so I tend to like I like the guitar players who back these singers, and that's kind of you know I do other things as well, but that seems to be the stuff that is kind of makes a nice balance between commercial and artistic success, and that's kind of I guess I've been walking that line for a long time. Sure. Now, I, I, now, do you consider yourself, you know, not that you can't be both, but do you consider yourself more of a composer or more more of a guitarist, really, when it, com- when it comes down to it? Both. Um, you know, a lot of times, when I, I'll get introduced to someone and they'll say, Dwayne was the guitar player and the Jesus Wizard and so on. Like, and I want to say, composer! I wrote or co-wrote almost everything, you know? Um, I and, composed! And it should be like well, a I'm right, <laughs> right, yeah, exactly. Uh, and I and, and that's what I tell other guitar players too. I'll tell them younger ones. I'll say, man, you got to do more, work on more than just your solos, because um, you get those writers' credits. Not only do you have a an artistic thing, you have you have a say in shaping the sound of the group you're in, but you also, you know, you register those songs and they get registered in BMI and they're getting airplay. Like you're you're going to make more money. Like when, if you're just a hired hand and the gig's over and you go home, that's it. But when it's your material, you know, every, those albums are out there and they're, whether people are buying them or playing them on the radio or whatever, they're still generating small amounts of income. Like as of right now, I think I have about 200 pieces of music registered with BMI. Oh, wow. Um, yeah, I think I cracked the 200 mark. Um, so um, otherwise, you're just you really are just a guitar player, and there's nothing wrong with that. There's guys who make fabulous incomes for themselves and stay busy and play and travel and do all that. There's nothing wrong with that. I'm not saying there is. I'm just saying for me, I decided early on that I was going to focus more on composition than just being a guitar player. Let me give you an, an, an anecdote in that regard, Conan. Okay, years ago... Um, I was playing in Hollywood and we were playing at either the Whiskey or the, what's the other one there on the strip? The Troubadour? The Troubadour. Yeah, one of those. And it was a Friday night and we did sound check and um, my amplifiers had been giving me trouble that whole trip and one of them just completely crapped out. So I thought, you know what, fuck it, I'm just going to go to the, the heart of the beast, I'm going to go to the Guitar Center on Hollywood Boulevard and go <laughs> buy it. Right. I've, yes, we've we've all we've all been there. That's it's a unique and it, it's almost a paragon of guitar centers in, in its total douchebaggery. I'd say. Exactly, the Guitar Center in West Hollywood, and I'm not dissing guitar centers. I mean, they have tons. No, of no, stuff. no, you, no. Totally. You know what I mean? I, yes. I have friends who work at the one here in Nashville. I'm not dissing it, but the one in Hollywood is. I mean, that's the one. <laughs> You know, I think of Slash, I think of whatever, it's Hollywood. And they're thinking so of them, on, too. <laughs> yeah, I go there on a, so I, I'm, it's Friday night, and I'm in a hurry. 
because I need to get in and out before closing and get back to the venue. And I want, and I, so I notice, I go in there and I notice several things. Um, there's about five other guitar players out there and they're all just shredding away, just shredding away at a hundred miles an hour. Um, and I come in and I play my riffs and play my chords. So I notice a couple things. Number one, I'm the only guy who's actually in a hurry because I'm the only one who actually has a gig to go to. The <laughs> right. shredders, you know, I'm the only, and I'm I'm the only one buying anything. Yeah. I'm the only one who's actually got some money and can buy something and then go back to play my show. So I thought, stay there, sh- keep shredding, dude. Shred your life away. I'm gonna go about my business. <laughs> I'm going to go about my business and play, you know, put some riffs and songs or riffs and chords and stuff together and, you know, kind of take that route. Shred Your Life Away would be an excellent pamphlet full of tough love for aspiring guitar players, I think. (laughs) Well, Well, you know, I know what you mean, yeah. though. I've seen that same thing where people are just like they're just kind of focusing on the technique and like, I don't know, waiting to be discovered or something. But it's like that's it doesn't matter it what, what that it doesn't matter what you're doing. And it just makes a bunch of noise pollution. Ultimately, like you're not accomplishing anything. Yeah. I mean, there are exceptions to well, the rule, of course, but I don't know. Yeah. And who knows? Some people, you know, they start off as hired people and then they become their own thing. So, you know, Hey, whatever works for you. But for me, I just thought I, I made a choice for what what the route I was going to go and what I thought would work for me. So, what did you end up getting? Huh? Oh, I, I bought. It's funny. I was always a, mar, a high watt guy, right? Yeah. And and I bought a 1974. Actually, pretty good. Sorry. And it was. A, I got a pretty great deal on a 1974 Marshall. It wasn't a Plexi, but it was a Super Lead. Oh, cool. cool. Thousand bucks all in. Didn't Tony? Didn't we see a high watt when we were recording the first Secret Friends record and we went to Hollywood Guitar Center? <laughs> Man, I don't even know, but um, I want to say it was probably. like the Townsend special. Yeah. Yes. Yes, you're right. I remember that. Yeah. 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 I don't have any any. I don't have any high watt stuff anymore. But that's you know that's gear nerd stuff. Oh yeah, and that's um, that's that's Tony's corner for sure. Tony Tony's my my yeah. guy for gear. Hey. I mean, that's a compliment. No, like you're, know, you're, you're good. You know, well, it's not just that, like you can talk the talk, but like you, you know what works for people, which I think is right. I don't know. That, that that's a better skill, I think, than just hey. So the thing about the uh, the the Randall is that you know whatever is, is that a tube amp? <laughs> Precisely. Yeah. So uh, with so as far and that brings up an interesting point as far as guitar sounds. Uh, there's kind of some schools of thought that say you know the. the that uh, you know, one's gear and tone secrets are very important. And there's another school of thought that says, you know, any great guitar player can just plug into any almost any rig whatsoever and just play, and you'll know it's them immediately. Like, do you, wh- where do you feel? Where do you rate on that spectrum as far as gear versus player? Um, I think it takes a long time to figure out what works for you. I think you have to be at a certain level of ability and experience before you really can. Um, know what to get for what you're trying to do. I, I mean, I think of myself going back and when I think of the different guitars and amps I had when I was like a teenager or whatever, and knowing, like, I wish that there had been someone around to say, look, this is what you like. Don't buy that. This is, <laughs> you'll be happier if you get this. And right. a lot of times when you're younger, you're just, it's just like with cars where 
you can't really afford what you want. So you have to simply make do with what's around you. And sometimes that's where it comes from. Um, that good things come from that. I, I, I have mixed feelings about the whole gear, um, fetishism that, that I see everywhere. Um, and, you know, I was as much of one fetishist as anyone. I wanted, I was going to play a high watt no matter what. But there was a reason. I liked, there was a certain brightness and sharpness of the tone that I thought brought out the things that I wanted to bring out. And I didn't want to be just like everyone else playing Marshall Fender or whatever. Um, so that was a, it, too. Um, I think that um, most guys, if chances are, it really does. It's in the hands and it's in the person playing it. Like um, you can have really cheap gear, but if you give it to the right person, they'll figure out a way to make it sound good and right. something about what they're using it for. It all depends on who's playing and what they're trying to do. Um, obviously if you've got cheap, you know, crummy stuff that can't even stay in tune or is falling apart, whatever, right. No one's going to sound good, but um, I, I, I don't know. Once again, it's just like everything else. There's so much stuff out there now, so much to weed through. I, I think really, it's just like anything else. You got to take a just take a look at who it is you like, and look at try to find out what they use, and then see what you can afford and try to split the difference. And, and um, you know, I don't think there's any big secret to that. Um, but like I said earlier, it's, you know, I saw footage of myself from 30 years ago and I, I didn't sound a whole lot different. And then uh, over the years, I've gotten different equipment, like free stuff from different companies and this and that, and I'll play with it and tweak it and get it. So I sound, I think it sounds perfect. And then I'll go back and, and plug into my old rig and they sound exactly the same. I basically, I keep dialing in the same sound over and over again. <laughs> right, right. You know, you know, so yeah, no, no, I hear what you're saying. Yeah, for sure. <laughs> so there you go. I think it's just a matter of what, who you are and what you like and what you, what you want to do. And once you just have to be old, maybe old enough and experienced enough so that you, you know, those things and, and you have a certain style that you're going for and you got to try to do that. Yeah. I mean, I, I've seen like, especially younger bands just absolutely shredding away on what what would constitute is basically total garbage to, to gearheads and they make it, they make it work. It sounds amazing. And then by the same token, I've seen people with, you know, thousand dollar amps and, and, uh, you know, multi-thousand dollar guitars and just, they produce weak jams and it's not, it's not good at all. And it, that's, that's almost more annoying. Cause it's like, wow, you should really maybe spend more time woodshedding some, some songs perhaps. Yeah. Well, also keep in mind too, to me, if you go back and listen to, the classic recordings, like say the Sun Studio, um, the early rockabilly stuff, or the Studio One Kingston, the early um, reggae stuff, or anything, um, or or Stax or Motown, whatever. Those people were just simply making do with what they had. Yep. What was in and the they, studio you know, that day, or whatever? Yeah, exactly, totally. Yeah, and what, whatever was around, or whatever they could afford to get. And so, years later, people come to you know, fetishize that gear and go out and buy it and try to copy exactly that. They weren't doing that. They were simply, you know, making do with what they had until they found something that they thought sounded good. So I think that nowadays you just have to, kind of have to do the same thing. People need to do that. To um, totally. And, and, and well, yeah, go ahead. 
No, go ahead. I'm, no, I was just going to say, it, it, it reminds me of, if you've seen the documentary on the Wrecking Crew, that, uh, yeah. I mean, I found that, like, really interesting and kind of inspiring in a way of just, there was that sort of that, you know, play the ball where it lies, <laughs> to use a golf analogy, <laughs> mentality. And, you know, all this amazing music came out of it. And it, it didn't matter, like, these weren't folks that were, like, completely obsessing about, like, well, I got to make sure my tone is exactly correct. They just ripped, and what they ripped out were hits. They ripped out amazing songs. Amazing song after yeah. amazing song. Uh, and, like, yeah, defined an era, practically, you know? Yeah. Sometimes taking a cheap piece of equipment and using it for something that it wasn't meant to do is is what sounds good. That's what that's perfect. And that's kind of what those guys did. Um, you know, so yeah, people do that all the time. And, and that's a good thing. Um, anything to just break the conformity that, that is prevalent, you know, um, it's funny. I'll do it. I'll occasionally do interviews with guitar magazines and they'll say any advice for kids. And I'll say, yeah, don't read guitar magazines. <laughs> You know, stay away from guitar magazines like right. this one. <laughs> which, which is both funny but actually pretty good advice as well. Like that's that's you know because otherwise you'll end up focusing on the wrong things and yeah. And I also think that there's and you may not agree with this. Uh, let me know. But I I think that like there's not as much opportunity for people to kind of find their voice and especially young folks and like spend time sucking. Like now everything's on the internet and it's up there for forever and you're defined immediately. And I feel like a lot of these younger bands just like, there's not that gestation period anymore where they get to like figure it out. And then like, okay, now here's the album. And like, this is the thing we've been a band for two years. We've done a bunch of tours. We, you know, maybe did some demos. Now it's just like, it's up and out there. And it's, there's no development anymore. Not just that there's no development with, like, the major record labels or anything, but just, I right. don't, it doesn't seem like there's much development in music, period, uh, as a yeah. rule. Yeah, I mean, you have to find a way, once again, that's another thing, you have to try to find a way around. I know what you mean. Um, you know, you go out, even with, even with myself and things I've done, um, you know, anything, you put it together, you rehearse, you get start, you put a live set, and you're, it's going to take a few shows to get up to speed, um, right. isn't that? But it, you know, but people. Meanwhile, there's people, you know, recording your show on their iPhones and posting it the next day. <laughs> right, so, exactly. You don't you even know, get the opportunity. Do, <laughs> yeah, it, it, it's all it's on. You know, it, it's on all over the internet forever. You know, and if you have an off night, or even not even off night, or one part of one song isn't great, and now you're going to live with it the rest. You know, and people are reviewing it. Yeah, three hundred. Three hundred comments, most the of them negative. <laughs> yeah, but on the other hand, uh, Conan, there's so much of that too that it almost doesn't matter. There's right. so many of different things for people to look at. It almost doesn't matter. Once again, I was fortunate. Um, I grew up. It was a suburb of Detroit called Plymouth, and there was a youth center that used to have concerts in the back. Concerts, dances on Friday night, and live bands played, and. Um, I was one of the guys that helped screen bands to play there, even though I was younger than the bands. And then um, in exchange for doing like janitor work, they would let me and my friends bring our amps and drums and play really loud um, in the, in their like concert room. And it wasn't, it was a converted garage. It wasn't anything fancy. It was like a service station turned into a youth center with, you know, cinder block walls, bright and loud as shit, just, you know, whatever. But, 
I don't see that much of that even anymore where, you know, you have a place where you can do it and it's unsupervised. I have mixed feelings about these school of rock things. On the other hand, one hand, you know, I've given lessons and done things like that before. But for me, being in a band and playing rock is where we went to get away from school. Right. To get away, <laughs> to get away from to get approved away activities, from a, yeah. <laughs> yeah, to get away from adult supervision. To, not that we were necessarily criminals or whatever, but, you know, we were do, uh, there was a little bit of stuff we were doing that kids, teenagers shouldn't have been doing, whatever, drinking, smoking, whatever. But, you know, yeah, it was supposed to be something that you do on your own and make your own stuff up and find your own voice without somebody's dad, you know, showing you how how they did it. Right. Define and, your uh, identity almost like kind of like figure out who yeah. you are on your own with your friends rather than like, yeah, like a parent approved after school activity with sanctioned times and dates and places and things. Totally. Yeah. Yeah. And I was like, you know, and I took lessons from people and I practiced, you know, and I eventually even went to college and got a degree in music because, well, I figured a, a degree was good no matter what. It would help me get a job when I needed them. Right. And I was right. I'm, I'm, I'm still right, in fact. But um, <laughs> it was the only thing I'm, I was interested in. And um, so, uh, yeah, I was willing to, you know, bow before the authorities to a certain extent, but not when it came to rock. When it came to rock, it's like, no, that's you. You don't listen to anyone. You do what you and your fellow bandmates want to do and create your own little world. And if it's interesting enough or powerful enough or seductive enough or whatever, then other people will want to be part of it, too. And that's how you build your thing. Yeah, I mean, I think that's that's very eloquently put, really. I mean, that's. Well, maybe that should that should be how we end this. <laughs> we we could. It's pretty pretty hard to pretty pretty hard to to top pretty top anything like that. Uh, it's uh, it's been great talking to you, man. This is a uh, you you got a unique voice. Like I'm ex I'm excited that uh, when I saw that you were doing guitar lessons and things, I I immediately thought like, wow, how cool. That's awesome because. Like, I like the idea of, uh, you know, and whether this is true or not, like a whole generation and an army of, of, of young uh, boys and girls learning at the, at the feet of the master, so to speak, the, the Dwayne Dennison tricks and magics to uh, kind of make more interesting music going forward. I don't know if that matches with the reality at all. It may be much more mundane, uh, but I love, no, I love the idea of it. <laughs> um, I, I, if only it were true, the reality of it is usually... Um guys in their 20s and 30s I, I i you know or older even who they like they just want hey how'd you do that one part in dudley then comes <laughs> dudley. How'd you do that? Um, and that's fine too i'm not dissing them um but you know I, I i wish it was more teenagers or kids on the start that they could say okay here practice this here's some exercises here's some basic chord stuff here's this now go Hey, go away. Go doing your own thing. Call me back in a couple of years. Let me know what you got. You got to go write a song with like Katy Perry or something, and then that everyone will, everyone will. Uh, <laughs> I don't know. That's Katie the first. Perry? That's the first name that came to mind. It's a, that was a terrible example. I'm sorry. Like something oh. that. What are the kids like? I don't know. What the fuck? Like Lord, I guess is is Lord still? Um, I don't or, know. Or, well, I'm asking. Girls, and um, what her name? My, I have a. I have a 12-year-old daughter. Taylor Swift, Portugal. perhaps. Oh, Portugal the Man. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. Uh, what's the other? Fallout Boy. Um, uh, <sighs> Fallout Boy. I can't think of them all. Yeah, uh, But yeah. she likes other... She likes 
um, The Cure and uh, uh, Echo and the Bunnymen and, um, you know, some of the new wave, I guess. I guess that's because of emo. But that's okay. That's fine. Whatever. Yeah, whatever gets you there, you know. And so that's that's a good that's a good thing I wanted to talk about is you know are there anything I always like to ask people that are on the show like what music that they're listening to is there anything like new and exciting that's you're really uh, you're really into now that kind of caught your ear or uh, you know anything that's you'd like to turn people um, on to? Probably not. Um... <laughs> That's a fine answer, Probably too. Not. Uh, yeah. <laughs> you know, I, listen to, I, I listen to different things. They kind of pass, things kind of pass me by, and I grab at it. You know, I've got different sources for people who have new stuff kind of coming and going. Um, I just, I was checking out that sort of Iggy Pop, Josh Hong, um, oh, post-pop. Depression. Yeah, pretty good, pretty good. I mean, like, yeah, yeah. I, I, I thought it was, it was interesting. It was almost like compositionally, it was interesting to hear kind of both sides like the backing band and Iggy kind of pushing themselves a little bit and uh, you know, even when it didn't quite get there I thought that it was you know there was enough interesting stuff there that I was like wow what an awesome record for someone like Iggy to be making so very very late in his career was, and his lyric I, I think I think he has always been underrated I think yeah. that um, he has he has insight and experience that other people don't and so um, I, I enjoyed that I really liked, this is almost like, this, these are all old guys, but um, that Rolling Stones, Blue and Lonely, that came out just, I guess, a few months ago. Oh, that new um, one? I haven't heard it yet. Have you heard that, Tony? No, I haven't. Okay. It's all, it's just them doing covers of all Chicago blues stuff. Oh, yeah, yeah, and, yeah, yeah. And it's really good. I've heard it's um, really good, yeah. I haven't heard it personally. It's really yet, good. Yeah. It, it, it kind of passed by, and I grabbed it. Uh, and I listen, and I was like, "Wow, this is really good." Well, that's um, where they came from, so that makes sense, right? I mean, they came from the yeah. blues, not Chicago blues necessarily, but you know, like. Well, they were influenced by it, like very yeah. heavily. Yeah, that was. Yeah, and then there's weird sort of um, modern composers that kind of the name will pop up here and there, and I'll check it out whether uh, like on satellite, my satellite radio in the car, or I'll just look things up. Um, there's a guy. His name is Adolphus. Hail Stork, Adolphus Hail. <laughs> Whoa, that's, and I think he's still alive. That's he's a hell of a name. Yeah, and he, I, he's an African American composer, I think, from New York. And I heard some on the radio. And I'm pretty good at guessing who people are. I'm pretty good when I hear things. I can usually narrow down what period, what this, who I think it is. And I had no idea who this was. And um, he's, you know, a very accomplished, educated person that. that I've never heard of. And so I thought, wow, this is kind of interesting. Um, like if I saw a flyer for someone that said Adolphus Hailstork, I would be like, whoa, I am immediately interested in that. Like I know that that's going to be, there's no dicking around there. And if it's just the dude's name, that's even better. Yeah. Um, and then other rock stuff, like, well, let's see, the last couple shows I've been to, uh, all I saw, um, Mastodon, like a month or so ago. Very nice. Great. Uh, little, 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 little. I'll go to the symphony, National Symphony every so often. Um, I've been listening to oh, jazz lately, um, but not like new, like, you know, Theolonious Monk and, you know, stuff like that. Uh, blah, 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 blah. I don't know. I don't keep track. I don't that's write pretty, things down. That's a pretty good list, ultimately. I mean, that's I, – I, I guess I always find it interesting just to know 
what people are getting into even if it's like just older stuff or whatever like it's it, i think it sparks an interesting conversation because i don't think creativity occurs in a vacuum at all and i think no no of course not you you listen to things and they creep into your subconscious and that's why whenever i hear musicians say like oh you know before i started writing this i i purposely avoid listening to music i don't want to be influenced by outside stuff and i think oh bullshit you know what what happens when you do that is you're going to regurgitate old ideas anyway, and you're going to think you're going to think they're original, and they're not because you don't know it because you're not out there listening to stuff. And I think that that happens to a lot of guys as they get older. They purposely they're like, oh, these these kids today, none of it's any good, and then they churn out stuff, and it's stuff they it's already been done. They just they don't know it. Right, exactly. They they just <laughs> you're it's unconscious regurgitation almost. Yeah. And, uh, hey man, I gotta go. Yeah, hey, it's, I got, I got. No, no, it's 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 been, it's been it's been great talking to you, man. Really appreciate it. Yeah, it sounds sounds like you got a lot of stuff in the pipe, and um, thank you so much for doing the show. Really appreciate it. Well, thanks for having me. It's always fun to talk with people who are you know intelligent, thoughtful fans, people who like music, and you know kind of have a good overview of stuff. So yeah, it's nice meeting you. And um, yeah, give me a shout. You know, who knows? Somewhere down the line, we can do it again. Sounds like a plan, Dwayne. Thanks so much, man. Thank you. Bye. There he goes. Mr. Dwayne Dennison. What a cool guy. Yeah, totally. I enjoyed that quite a lot, actually. Let's hear uh let's hear a tune. Um What should we listen to? Well, let's listen to this. Bloody Mary!
then comes Dudley. That's a little song by uh, by a band you may have heard of uh, called Le Jesus Lizard, featuring one uh, Dwayne Dennison that uh, we we just spoke with. What a, what a what a nice conversation that was. What a cool guy. Yep. Like that dude a lot. So how how do you like your first controversial, Tony? Uh, it's cool. I mean, you know, I'm not. Like a full-on bona fide guest, I guess. But uh, I, no, you're more I, of a co-host. But, can, uh, you but, uh, but you know, it's cool. I don't mind being here. It's fun. I don't mind being here. Boy, that that's <laughs> <I> mean, <laughs> yeah, that came out. It's wrong. a hell of endorsement. Yeah, yeah. I guess it's all right. I guess <laughs> it didn't put me out or anything. Jeez, thanks. Yeah, that came out really badly. Sorry. <laughs> well, have you? No, it's cool, guess. man. This this is this is the first Persona reversal in uh, at least Mil- half a year in Milwaukee, and it's definitely the first one in Milwaukee. Yes, this is a. From the brand new Bunker Studio in uh, Milwaukee, Wisconsin, uh, coming at you, and that, that's uh, that's how we roll. That's how we roll now. Um, anyway, cool dude. Love Dwayne Dennison. Look him up uh, on the internet. I guess I don't. I don't think, I don't think he has like a master site or anything. You can usually see what he's up to. On, uh, yeah, I'm not sure, but. God, I really probably should have figured that out. He, he's a busy guy. I'm sure he has plenty of mm-hmm. stuff to look at. Yeah, there's some new there's some new tomahawk happening. There's um maybe some DK trio stuff coming out. Look this him up. Thing called Google. You can you know access that. <laughs> you can type in his name. Balderdash, you say. I'm sh- I'm sure there's I'm sure something will pop up. Yeah, something will pop up, and it probably is not going to be porn. So, uh, hey. So you've been listening to the one, the only, the one and only, one and only. And uh, thank you for that. Show broadcasts, Radio Nope, Thursdays, 8 p.m. Eastern, 5 p.m. Pacific. Oh, 7 p.m. Central. (laughs) (laughs) I've been doing that spiel for so long, I don't even think about what I'm saying as words, but it's true. Uh, Radioneutron.com for the podcasts and uh, all the archives of all the shows. Anyone within the sound of my voice. Back, baby. How? Heard you missed us. We're back. I've got <laughs> a pencil. <laughs> <laughs> well done. Well done. In the future in this. I'll be on as a guest too, Tony. Don't don't trip. <laughs> you can be nonplussed by that too. <laughs> I, I mean, I, I mean, yeah, whatever. I guess. Cool. I guess it's cool. Whatever. It's good to be back. Seriously. Um, Turn sound into electricity. Any final words of wisdom? Can you uh, hear me now? Welcome to the Midwest. Thanks, man. Out on yeah. Route 128. Glad to be here. Dark and lonely. Yeah. I got my radio Catch you later. On. Can you hear me now? Can you hear me now?
Welcome to my top ten. I'd like to thank our sponsor. But we haven't got a sponsor. Not if you were the last man on earth. She was prepared to prove it. This one goes out to a special girl.
because nobody does a show exactly like this one and because these conversations mean something. Ugh, that also sounds like me.